Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Many of you have it memorized by now, I'm sure, but uh, we'll be there one more time today. Um, one of the things that I've been kind of working through lately is uh, some of the common situations in life, but they present themselves in various ways. And I'm specifically this morning thinking about and referring to the way that parents get the attention of their children when their children would rather not have their attention gotten. Now, when I was a kid, now we've spent a couple of days, uh, or pieces of a couple of days this week at my parents' house. And uh, I, I heard in my mother's tone a couple of times, fortunately if she was referring to my brother, not me this time, but uh, I heard that tone in her voice that took me back many years to those days when as a kid I would be doing my own thing and, you know, living life to the full. And I would hear this tone in my mom's voice, Mark Daniel. And I knew the tone was if I didn't drop everything else and focus on her, I was soon to be an ex-child. Which caused me to push forward because I also spent a little bit of time with Lauren this week, my daughter. And uh, so pushing those things together, I, I remember uh, how Teresa would deal with Lauren. Um, because, um, let me, how would I say this nicely? Now nah, I'm not going to worry about being nice about it. Lauren had a way of tuning out the world. I know none of your kids do that, right, parents? But Lauren had a way of tuning out the world. And so Teresa had to get rather creative in how she dealt with her. Now, Lauren learned this from her brother, whose name is Colin. Many of you know him. And he was the king of being distracted away from things that needed to be. So Teresa got to where she would do this. She would begin to talk to them. And I could hear the tone in her voice begin to change, which always scared me. And then she would say this, you look at me right here. And she would put her finger on the end of her nose. It's amazing to watch what that did to our children. I mean, it didn't matter what they were doing. Like that, they would zero in on her. Now, it wouldn't last long. So she had to be quick about it whenever she got their attention. But for those few seconds, when she went to that place with them, they were all ears to what she had to say. That is a great... Um, metaphor, uh, a great comparison for us, I think, about how we are with God. The reality is, in our lives and in our world, that the noise of life that is around us can be one of the biggest enemies for the Christian life. We can be so distracted with the noise of life that we fail to hear the words of life. I know that that sounds real churchy, and I, I want to apologize if it sounds churchy. It's true, and so even if it sounds churchy, it's reality for us. But I don't want to lose you this early in the sermon with church talk. The fact is, in our daily living, more than anything else, we need to hear from God. But we get so distracted with the noise of life that sometimes it just kind of seems to choke out. God. So what I want to do today, if you happen to see the sign as you came in, uh, the title of the sermon is, Shh, listen. 
if you just do this this afternoon, try to find a place and a time when you can slow, slow down the world and quiet your environment enough to hear stuff that's going on all the time. That's hard for us to do. And we build into our lives and into our experiences things that make it even harder for us to do. And we have ways of blocking things out. And one of the big things, you know, complaints I've heard for many, many years now is when people stick in their headphones and they tune out the rest of the world. And so we practice selective hearing. But the reality for us in our daily Christian lives, we need to stop and we need to quiet and everything down and listen to what God might have to say to us. We're in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, once again. And this will be the final sermon from this particular verse. And some of you are going, it's about time. But we fi- we're finding these principles that come out of this first step for a guy named Abram as he moves his way into life with God. And we find over in the book of Hebrews that Abram is later to become Abraham. And he is one of those noteworthy people. As far as God is concerned, he looks at Abram and he says, Now, what you find in him is noteworthy. Take note of him and learn from him what it means when we talk about this life of faith. And I want to kind of clarify as we go into this. Many times we talk about the faith, the Christian faith, and it's this big kind of nebulous body of information. And we embrace that and we say, that's the faith and we believe that. And that's good. We should do that. But the stuff we're talking about here is a life that is marked by the word of God as he speaks it into your life and you respond to what he has to say. It's not some generic thing. It's very clear and it's very specific and it originates with the heart of God and he speaks it into us as we walk this life. But if we're not listening, then we miss out on that and we settle for a generic impotent kind of Christianity. Genesis 12:1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. It sounds simple. It sounds like there's not all that much there, but we found already four different principles. And now today we come to two more. Here are the two from last week, just as a point of information, just to get you caught up with us. God will never be to you what he wants to be to you. If you try to replace him with any other point of security. One of the things when we're talking about faith is we work through this, and I'm wanting you to make sure you get on the front side of this series. I'm not talking about some deal where, you know, you just hold on to it and you believe it hard enough and God has to respond to that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that sense of abandonment to God. Where we come to our lives and we see all that's there and all that we've built and we push it to the side in favor of holding tightly to his hand, knowing that he's holding tightly to us. It might help you to think of it this way. The word faith, each letter has a different significance. And so F is forsaking all I trust him. God said to Abram, leave your country and your father's house, and your people, and the clan, and all of those things that are part of the security of you life, of your life, you abandon those things, and you go to where I'm telling you to go. God will never 
be to you what he wants to be to you when you replace him as a source of security. If he's not that source for you, you're going to live a Christian life below the standard that God sets. Here's the other one we looked at last week, just again to keep you on track with where we are. You cannot get to the place God wants you to take, or God wants to take you if you stay where you are. In other words, today is the opportunity for you. If you wandered in here, you don't know what's going on. Let me just tell you something. There's a whole nother level of living with God out there. I don't care where you are. You may be the most spiritual person who ever walked into the doors of this church. There is still yet another level with God. But we get so comfortable with where we are and that nice little controlled world that we've created for ourselves that we end up missing out on what God wants to do with us. So to take, today we take the next step, two more principles, and then we'll move off of this verse. As I'm talking about life and living by faith, I'm a little bit concerned that we're not um, embracing it at the point that, that I think it's really critical as we start into this. What is the nature of living by faith? When we talk about this, what, what are we talking about? And many people in, in my experience kind of buy into this idea that says, well, living by faith and, and trusting God is, is like taking a leap into the dark. Well, there's probably at least an element of truth to that. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But the reality is that living by faith is more than just not really knowing what's out there and just kind of jumping out and saying, okay, God, I'm jumping, catch me. Some of that terminology comes from that old story. It's tired, and so I don't want to go through the whole story. But the idea, the picture is, and I'm sure it's one of those preacher stories that no way it really happened. It's just some preacher thought it sounded good. So I'll tell it because it sounds good, right? Um, guy's house catches on fire. His son is upstairs. And the son crawls out on the roof and the dad's downstairs. The fire's too much. You can't get up to him. And so down there on the ground, smoke and fire everywhere. The kid's on the roof. And the father says, I, I see you up there. Jump. Y'all know this story? I see you up there. Jump. And the kid says time and time again, I can't see you. I don't know where you are. I can't see you. The dad says, jump, jump, jump. The kid says, I can't see you. And then the dad finally comes and he says, I can see you. And that's all that matters. Just jump. I'll catch you. Many people live their lives putting God in that kind of situation. Okay, I, I, I have this opportunity for this job. And it seems like it's a good deal. So I don't know, maybe I ought to take it. What do you think? And your wife says, well, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. You know what, let's pray about it. And so they begin to pray about it. And you start working through it. You go, okay, well, all indications are it seems right. I just, I just don't know. I just don't have peace. And finally, the church person jumps into that and says, just do what your heart tells you and trust God to take care of you. That's a jump into the dark. Here's a truth I want you to hang on to. I want you to so hang on to it that it begins to hang on to you. God is intimately concerned about your everyday life. God did not save you Provide salvation through Jesus Christ just so that you can go to heaven when you die. He saved you for a relationship with himself. And by definition, he cares so much about you that in the day-to-day -day part of your life, he has input for you. 
And because he's God, his input is always spot on for your situation. But see, we don't get that option. We, we, we sit here and we see a limited amount. We, it's like going to a parade and we sit on the corner and we see the parade as it comes by in pieces. Unless it's Lumberton High School and then you don't get parades, I'm told. Boy, some of y'all got upset about that. I'm, okay, so, so I'm sorry to use that as an example. It's a great example. You sit on the corner, you see the parade as it goes by you and it just goes by and you can walk home and say, I saw the parade. What you saw was snapshots of it. But if you take that and move it off and take God's perspective, who's not limited to the street corner view of your life and that parade, he's beyond and above and he looks down and he sees the beginning and he sees the end and he sees everything. He sees the cleaning crew on the backside of it and he sees your life this way instead of this way. And so for him to care about the daily pieces of your life gives you the opportunity to have divine direction and how to get life right. And so God says to Abram, leave. That's a struggle, I guess, in a little bit. Because for us, it seems like a struggle, at least because there's so many things that we don't know about that. That's the jump into the dark. And so here's Abram, and God says, I want you to leave where you are, leave all of your security stuff behind, and I want you to launch out. Put yourself in his position. If God said that to you, Let me just bring it right down on the bottom shelf. What if God said to you sitting in church today, I want you to quit your job tomorrow and I'll tell you what happens after that later. Many of you would be knocking at my door going, what were you thinking telling us that preacher? But some people live their life. But they think that God doesn't care about those individual things and so it's a leap into the dark. But here's the next truth that comes with that one. Faith, if it's a leap at all, it's not a leap into the dark, it's a leap into the light. Here's, here's why I find this in this particular passage. You see, God says to Abram, I want you to leave. And what God has done with that is he has spoken directly into the situation in which Abram finds himself. It is not a leap into the... Now, there's some dark stuff on here. There's there's some stuff here that Abram doesn't get answers for right away. God doesn't say to him, go this way. Let's stop and let's talk about that a little bit. What would be the questions you would have if you were in Abram's place here? And the word that you get is, I want you to leave behind these security things that you've built for yourself. And last week I tried to talk about that and bring it home. Because every one of us builds security into our lives. And if we're not careful, the security that we build into our lives can cause us to miss God's plan for our lives. So if God stepped into that like he did with Abram and said, I want you to leave that stuff behind. What would be the questions that would push into the forefront of your mind? If I was Abram, here's a couple that I would have. Okay, so when do I leave? Now's a good time for me to tell you. I, I, I like to have um, questions answered. Okay, I like to be strategic in the stuff that I do. If you're going to be strategic in the stuff that you do, people who aren't strategic drive you nuts. 
right? It's the person who comes up and says, hey, let's go do this. No, that's not what we have planned here. See, now I'm getting into your marriage, aren't I? And, and so for me, if I'm Abram, God says, leave. Okay, let's put a plan together, God. So when are we going to leave? What's the best time for us to leave? Because now you remember the geography of where they are, modern-day Baghdad, okay? The Tigris, Euphrates River comes up and around more or less the Fertile Crescent. Remember back to your geography days and all that stuff. Comes around, drops down uh, onto the eastern uh, side of the Mediterranean Sea and drops down. And that was the way people traveled going from what is now Egypt all the way to that part of civilization. And so... So think, here's Abram, and God says, I want you to leave. And so, okay, so when when do we leave? What's the best time to go? Because we don't want to go during the rainy season because, you know, the rainy season, the rivers flood, and if we get a situation, we don't, so, okay, okay, so when do we, maybe we want to, we don't want to travel at night because, you know, there's there's robbers and stuff and people that have bad intentions out on the highway. So, so okay, so we're going to leave on this day at this time of the day. We don't have any of that information here. We don't know how Abram dealt with that. I suspect God didn't give him any of that kind of stuff. I suspect God gave him the leeway to make plans. But we don't know when. We don't know how soon it was after. I do know this in verse 4 it says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him. I would also want to know what the direction. Well, just because everybody else is going up and around the Fertile Crescent doesn't mean that I'm going to do that. As a matter of fact, I like to swim upstream, so I might just go the other way. Which way do I go, God? And the answer is, I told you to just go. But see, that doesn't set well with us if we like to have our nice, neat little plans. How long should I be gone? Well, God said leave. That sounds to me like that's a permanent thing. But even in the back of the mind, I say, okay, so does that mean I can't come back for Christmas or Thanksgiving? All of those things come into place here, and I want to set them in your lap because they're, they're easy for me to talk about those with Abram. They're a little harder for me to get into your security system of your home and start picking pieces out. Let me do it this way. Are you a need-to-know kind of person? This is pick on Lauren Day for the preacher. And so let me pick on my daughter a little bit more. Okay, she's not here to defend herself, which makes it a lot more fun for me. Lauren, when she was a kid, was a person with a very high level of need to know. And many, many times I would say to our kids, get in the car, let's go. Lauren, without fail... First question out of her mouth before she moves an inch, where are we going? Now, my answer to that is, it doesn't matter where we're going. I told you, get in the car. That ever happened at your house? Okay, but that's not good enough for Lauren. Because Lauren needs to know these things. I mean, she's got important cabinet meetings with the president, stuff like that at 10 years of age. Well, well where are we going? I said, get Okay, now when I start talking like that, now she's looking at me and she's listening. And so as she's moving to the car, she says to me, where are we going? You better get in there. I'm going to. So we get in the car. And I crawl in, start the car, and here's Lauren in the back. Where are we going, Dad? 
I don't. Are you a need to know kind of person like that? If you are, you're driving us nuts. You just got to know that. (laughs) But here's a good deal for you. The chances are good that you are a high need to know person when it comes to God's directives in your life. Most of us just need more information. We try to put ourselves in Abram's position and God says leave and go do these things. And in our honest hearts, we have to admit, I would really need more information before I moved an inch. So God meets, this is a good thing about God, he always meets us where we are. And so even if we are that high level of need to know, God still meets us where we are. But you have to know that part of this whole thing about living by faith is God is going to train you not to need to know so many details. It ought to be enough that he says, this is my directive for you, do it. And trust me. So now we're back to this whole thing about faith being a leap into the dark or a leap into the light. The way I said that was if it's a leap at all, it's a leap into the light. I I prefer to say it this way. Faith is a step into the light. God will, will regularly, as a matter of course in your life, he will give you enough light to work with. He, he may not give you 10 or 15 steps down the road. But if you'll listen to him, if you'll shut out everything else that's going on and listen to him with that thing that you're going through, and I don't even know what you're going through. Maybe some of you walked in here and your marriage is tough or, or maybe you got a health situation or you got a financial crisis or, or something's going on. Every one of us has something like that. None of us are perfect. If you're looking for a church with just real people, you found it here because we're just real and we got our real issues. And it's into those issues that God in all of his love speaks to us individually and says, I have a plan for you. I want to get you to a better place in life. I didn't say one that's free of problems. I said a better place in life. And so here's the light. Here's what I want you to do. In Abram's case, it's leave. And God doesn't give him five steps down the road. He just says leave. Now, what he does give him is the end of the verse. What does it say at the end of verse 1? You've got to have it memorized by now. Go to the land I, if I feel good. If you catch me on a good day, I'll let you know when you find it. That's not what he says. I will show you. The Hebrew there, the tense of that verb God says, I will cause you to see it. So God gives this piece of light. And as he gives that piece of light, there's clarity in that. You don't have to wonder. It's not to leap into the dark and just hope against hope that maybe God will catch you. It's not that. It's, okay, God, what do you want in this situation that I'm going through? What are you, what do I need to hear from you? And as he shows you that, you step into it. 
And then when the time is right, and it could be immediately, it could be a long wait, he'll give you light for the next step, and you step into that. That's what living by faith is. It's this continual hearing from God as it relates to your situation, and then God says, okay, now that you know that, you're ready for the next step. And don't think that some of those steps won't be hard to take, because I'll promise you they will be. Let me give you an example. When this church was talking to me about becoming your pastor, your pulpit committee had been formed and y'all had been looking and I got a call from Mike Martin one day and said, hey, we'd kind of like to talk to you. And um, So that started a process. I don't remember how many months it was that we talked like that, but I remember clearly as we went through it, it was one of those things where both the committee and y'all as a church and me as an individual and me and Teresa as a family at a different place, we were all trying to say, okay, God, what's your light for this situation? What do you want us to do? The committee was saying, is this the right guy? I was saying, do, do I need to be moving here? I don't know what to do. And so both of us on both sides were praying, God, show us. Give us light for this situation. As we moved through that process, came to a point where the committee from Crestwood drove down to the valley. We had a number of discussions over a couple-day of period. They came to church. And somewhere in the midst of all of that, God's shown a direct light for that committee to say, we believe you're God's man for us. We want you to come in view of a call. But for us, we didn't get that sense. We'd been praying God show us what we need to do. And so we had this last meeting after I'd preached that morning. They'd go, we'd done lunch and meeting there. And the committee was about to crawl in the cars to head back up here. And Teresa and I had gone into that meeting Believing that this was not God's plan for us or for the church. But something happened in that meeting. And I could give you the specifics. I just don't want to take the time to do it this morning. But something happened in that meeting. And I mean, and for me, now we had already talked about it, Teresa and I, and it was not going to happen. But something happened in that meeting and it was like God took a flashlight and shone it directly into the step and said, This is what I want you to do. You are to go. Now, we had already talked and made up our mind what, got, where God was in that. And so I was going, man, i got a problem with my wife. <laughs> and the committees want some kind of an answer from us. I knew they were wanting something. They, they'd reached to the point of going, okay, this is it. God's God, let's go. And it ought to be a great, happy time. And I'm over there on the other side of the table going, oh, man, I don't know. So I did the good Christian thing. I told them, well, we'll pray about it. We'll get back with you. We walk out after they all leave and we walk out of that building to get in our car. We hadn't driven a half a block. And Teresa and I both in the discussion realized that God had shown each of us that light. It was in fact his plan for us to come here. Now, hear me carefully. We all expect that from preachers and pulpit committees. If you don't, then you need a different committee. We, you need, anytime you're calling a staff member, you need God's clarity about what's going on there. So we knew we were supposed to do that. I'll pick the story up here. We got home, and I picked up the phone. I, I don't know how far down the road they were, probably less than an hour, I'm sure. Uh, and I picked up the phone, and I called the chairman of the committee, and I said, hey, we prayed about it. We feel like this is the move that we need to make. 
Well, then, you know, so they're having a party in the car. I don't think there was drinking. I'm pretty sure there wasn't. <laughs> and Teresa and I are talking about it. Go, man, so now, we're gonna, you know, now we have to move. Now we have to close 20 years of our life off and all of that. And so I'm thinking these, okay, remember, light for the step. And so I got all of that. I'm processing through. I'm going, okay, so, okay, God. Remember, I'm the planner guy. Okay, so now we need to do this and we've got this and we... Uh, and in the middle of that, I get a phone call back from the committee chairman. And he says this. Uh, I was thinking they had buyer's remorse already. You know, they're not. Never mind. But here's what, what he said. You know, uh, we've gone through this whole process. And we, we're glad, we, we all believe God's in this. Uh, we probably should talk about salary, shouldn't we? I want you to hear from that. Okay? I, I, sometimes I stumble into doing right. Okay? I'm not nearly smart enough to get it right most of the time. But in the process of that whole search, I, Teresa, and the committee from this church had been so focused on, is this God's plan for us, that we had never yet once talked about money, and salary especially. Now, I'm going to tell you, from the planning side of things, that doesn't follow for me, okay? Because I don't generally take steps without understanding and having a pretty good awareness of the financial burden that it's going to put one way or the other, on me or on a church or otherwise. But in that case, the committee and Teresa and I happened to get it right from a faith standpoint. You Listen for what God has to say. Let me tell you something. If God told me in that meeting, that's where you're to go. You go. And the church said, we can only pay you a dollar a year. I'd have said, see you later. No, I don't know. I'm not sure what. I, because I know at that point, regardless, with no money on the table, God said, this is what you need to do. I knew we needed to come to this church. Now, some of you are going, I wish you hadn't come. Well, okay, that's fine. You're welcome to that opinion. But I want you to get the reality of it because every one of us is going through something today that mirrors that. You're going through something and you need more than anything else. You need to hear what God has to say for you. So don't just haul off and jump off and do something religious and say, well, I sure hope God catches me here. I sure intended well. No, stop and pray. God, what do you want me to do here? When you do that, the, the situation of your life begins to reflect the presence of God in ways you never dreamed before. And those things that eat you up and you don't know and you're uncertain. What am I going to do? And the future is so unknown and I don't know what to do. God says, here's light. Step into the light and wait for me to give you more. But then you hold on to what he said. Well, that's the, that's the battle of the Christian life. To stand where God said, you stand here. And I'll tell you when to take another step. And while you're standing there, the winds of the world are beating against you. Where's God in that? Well, all you know is he told me to step here. And I'm staying here until he tells me to step somewhere else. Let me tell you how that plays out. Some of you may have heard of a guy named Manly Beasley. He's a preacher. He's called an evangelist, but I think he's probably more of a discipler than anything else. And, uh, 
he, God used him mightily in my life and the life of my family to teach me some of the things that we're talking about here. Manly Beasley was, he died a couple of years, a number of years ago now, but he was a um, very sick man. He had problems with him. Uh, seems like I remember one doctor telling him, I, we can't explain why you're alive because all of the medical stuff says you ought to be dead. But we see you here. We know you're alive, so we'll just call you alive and say we don't know how much time you have. And he was going through that struggle. And he knew of his family, and he knew that you know God called him to this ministry, and all of these things were swimming out there for him. And and so he he just that situation just drove him to scripture and drove him to the heart of God. God, where are you in this? I don't think my time is up. I, I know that there's work to be done. I, my family needs me. I got young children. I, I, where are you in my situation? By the way, that's the most intelligent prayer you can ever pray. God, I need to know where you are here. What do you need me to do or not do? What's your word for me? It is in that context that God gave Manly Beasley this promise. You are not going to die from this disease, at least not now. As a matter of fact, God gave him a promise out of Scripture that said that he would live to see his grandchildren. And so for the part of his life as he went forward, he held on to that. He just tenaciously held on to that. One day... He found himself in a small airplane. A friend of his was flying him, and they were over the Gulf of New Mexico. It seemed like he said they were going into Mexico somewhere. They were flying over the Gulf of New Mexico, of Mexico, and uh, New Mexico is just one big beach. It's not a Gulf. Um, and so he's flying in this plane, and the plane develops some problems, and there's this storm, and the, he looks over at the pilot, and the pilot's sweating it out like, I don't know, we may not make it through this. And everybody on there is praying, 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 God, get us out of this, all that kind of stuff. And Manly Beasley was in the middle of all of that going, man, God, are you taking us home? And he said he remembered just like that. God had given him a promise that he would live to see his grandchildren. And he said, and I thought to myself, if I die in a plane crash today, I'm not going to get to see my grandchildren. And God's already told me that I get to see my grandchildren. So praise God, today is not the day I die. And immediately... In that storm, peace flooded his life. You may not get all of the answers that you're looking for, but when you get God's specific promise into your situation, you have something to stand on that defies the storm. God speaks into your situation. For Abram, here's where I get that in verse 1, in case you're going, where do you get all of this? Verse 1, look at the very end of the verse. The first part says, Abram, leave. What does the end say? Go to the place, y'all there? That I will show you. You know what that sounds like to me? Sounds like he was going to get there. He didn't know which direction to go, maybe. Didn't know when he's supposed to leave, maybe. Didn't know if he had the provisions to get there. Maybe didn't know if he was going to get beat up and robbed on the way. Maybe. All of that kind of stuff. We don't know about all that stuff. And neither did he, probably. But what he did know was God said to him, I'm going to talk to you again. This is not the end of our relationship. So you stay tuned. And when you get where I want you to go, 
you'll know it. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're going to get further in the story of Abraham, and we're not going to spend 100 weeks on every verse like we've done on this one, okay? But sooner or later, we're going to get to the point that Abram gets to that particular place, and God says, here it is. And Abram's just like you and me, and he keeps on walking. Hello? Did you not hear what God said? No. That's the second part of this. I'm sure Spencer's back there going, where are you in all your notes, man? So here's the other principle for this. What we've been talking about, the principle is you need to get God's direct input on your situation. I don't care what your situation is. If it's a kid you don't know how to deal with, if it's a health problem, if it's a financial catastrophe, you need to get God's direct input on your life because he has a word to say about it. But here's the one that goes with it. Once you get it, you need to maintain position. So that you can remain in constant communication with him. See, we take that for granted. And we let the noise of the world and the noise of living position us where we couldn't hear God unless he moved heaven and earth to make it happen. Now, he'll do that sometimes. But most of the time, God so understands the need for us to learn not just to be robots. That God will let you make your choice not to listen to him, but he'll let you live with the consequences of it. And some of you are sitting in here, and you're living with those consequences, and this whole thing, you're going, oh, man, I walked away from God. Happened with me and Teresa. God told me very clearly, you go off to school. So I got to have a plan, right? So we started working the plan. Well, the plan didn't work out, so I said, okay, I'm off the hook. And God said, okay. I already told you to go. You decided not to. So for two years, God let me do my own thing and drill myself into a hole in the ground. Until finally, he came back knocking on the door. You remember what I said? I told you to go. And at that time, I was ready to go. I was, I was tired of living away from God's plan. Some of you may be in here today, and that's where you're at. And the noise of living has caused you to miss God's word to you. What is it in your life that tends to get you out of position for hearing from God? Maybe you got a marriage that's pretty rough. And all you can think about is how rough it is and how much your spouse needs to get cracked in the head by God or somebody else. What you don't realize is that's moving you into a place where God says, if you would just trust me, but since you won't, I'm going to let you be out there and live with what you've created. We let our jobs get in our way. We let our hobbies get in our way. I'm not talking about being some super spiritual saint. I'm just talking about living and walking with God. The things that could have gotten in Abram's way. (laughs) How'd you like to go tell your family you're leaving everything behind? That could have been enough for him to go, you know what, I'm just not doing this. So here's my encouragement to you. Carve out space for God. In your life today, carve out enough space where you can get to a quiet place and listen to what God has to say and let him today begin to pattern tomorrow and the next day 
and the next day. Now, you, you, I've already said this, I think, and this is really the whole point here. You, you're not going to get enough today to pattern 14 days. Okay, You may get the pattern plan, but you still got to work that plan. And so today, tomorrow, the next day, every day, carve out space so that you can hear what God has to say because he knows what you need for that day. You know, we go to great, great lengths to make sure that our children, our babies, are safe. We buy baby monitors and we stick it in their rooms. And mothers lose sleep when that newborn baby is in another room, if they even make it to another room, because we're so concerned about that. And so we listen and that baby monitor goes. Isn't it interesting that by the time we have the third kid, we throw the baby monitors away, man. Just stick him in a room, let him sleep. That's kind of life's like that. We get so calloused to things. We need to position ourselves to hear from God so that the slightest whisper from the Holy Spirit sounds like a peal of thunder in our spirit. How is it with you and God today? Is it possible that that mess of your life has been Allowed by God to get you in a position to hear him say, here's my light, take a step. And then wait for me and I'll give you the next directions when it's appropriate. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to take this message and drill it home for us. As a church... We need to operate this way. We have a chronic case of need to know. Turn that into need to trust. And help us more than anything else seek your face in every situation of life. Where are you? In this situation, where are you today? What do you say to us today? Draw us close to your heart and into the center of the light that you give us. And may our lives as a church and as individuals in this church be noteworthy in this community. May people see not a church where a lot of stuff happens or where so-and-so goes or where this and that happens, but a church that is full of people who are determined to walk with God, even when it costs a lot. Teach us, grow us, and in this moment, in the lives of the people that are here, Father, we ask that your spirit would have free reign, that you would change lives, that you would convict of sin in those places where people have walked away from you. We pray that you would draw them back in your mercy and your grace even now. Marriages need to be healed. We pray that you would do that. Finances in the toilet. Father, we ask that you would step into that situation in such a way that those people would see you and not the problem. And all of these things, we ask you to prove yourself again to be God, to be loving, to be involved, to be our God. In Jesus' name.